from D. James Kennedy Ministries. This is Kennedy Classics. Kennedy Classics. Hello, I'm Frank Wright, president of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. Welcome to Kennedy Classics. I invite you to download our ministry smartphone app. You can watch all of our programs, as well as access daily devotionals, Bible versions, and evangelism training materials. Just go to the App Store for your mobile device and search for D. James Kennedy Ministries. The Patriot is a movie starring Mel Gibson in which he portrays Benjamin Martin, a man fighting for the Continental Army during the American Revolution. Benjamin is a farmer and a veteran of the French and Indian War, but he is reluctant to join the Continental Army. However, he soon changes his mind when the British attack his home and kill members of his own family. He joins the Continental Army and leads his militia through harrowing adventures, attacking British soldiers using very clever guerrilla tactics. Near the end of the film, at the decisive Battle of Cowpens, the British appear to have the upper hand for most of the battle, and some of the American soldiers begin retreating. Benjamin, however, stands his ground. He rallies the troops forward and into the enemy lines. The battle ends up being a victory for the Continental Army, and the British are forced to retreat. Today, we are living in a time where there is an all-out assault against Christianity. The enemy is attacking, and we can either be reluctant to join the fight, or we can act as Benjamin Martin did and stand our ground and fight. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, and we do not fight with physical weapons, but there is a battle to be sure. Here is Dr. D. James Kennedy in his classic message, The War Against Christianity. And now, may we hear the Word of God, as it's found in the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you, that ye love one another. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. 
And may God speak to our hearts and minds today through this portion of his holy word, and may his name ever be praised. Amen. We live in an age, I am happy to say, in an age which stands four square against bigotry and prejudice, unless, that is, unless that bigotry is directed against Christians, Christ, or Christianity. Today, the only group which you can hold up to public mockery and pillaring are Christians. Even Christ, the crystal Christ, the spotless and holy Christ, the loving and compassionate Christ, the only perfect and pure person ever to grace this planet, is himself held up to unbelievable and savage mockery. Well, to the pure all things are pure, and to the impure all things are impure. And they simply reveal the truth of the Scripture which says that God has given them over to a reprobate mind. There has been, as I read just this week, a law passed in Canada which, according to the article I read, forbids ministers from preaching the gospel on television. And a number of studios were invaded and records confiscated and equipment taken and some ministers thrown into jail. My friends, we're talking today about the age-long war against Christianity, a war which has sometimes been cold and sometimes hot. And I want you to know that it's heating up again in America. We should never forget that before a single finger was placed upon a single Jew in Nazi Germany in the 30s, before a single hand dragged one of them into a boxcar to haul them off to Auschwitz, there was an intense propaganda blitzkrieg which presented them as the off-scouring of the earth of the vilest of individuals that were not even persons. They were the enemies of Germany. They were those who are preventing its progress. And so when the actual final solution began, the people had been prepared by propaganda to believe it was all for the good of Germany. Christians in recent television programs and motion pictures have been held up as bigots, as censors, as intolerant, as narrow-minded, as ignoramuses, as those who are a threat to freedom, those who are a threat to the very well-being of our lives as one pilot who professed his Christianity and paraded it before the cameras uh, is made out to be before he goes berserk and begins to kill all sorts of people. Let me tell you that we live in a country that is a two-party political country 
But as one writer said, we have a one-party media, unlike most countries in this world. A media that is almost entirely antagonistic to Christianity. Eighty-six percent of the media elite, according to the Lichter-Rothman report, never or rarely attend any church or synagogue. They are godless people, and godless people hate the godly, and they ever have and ever will. May I say to you that with a media monopoly, in due time after sufficient preparation, they could present you to the American secular public as as deranged, demented, and dangerous as the Branch Davidians. And the people in America would believe it. Reality for most Americans is what is on the six o'clock news. The war against Christianity is heating up. Hollywood has always said that the bottom line is money, and they make pictures because these pictures are the things that make money. Michael Medved has given the lie to that argument. He pointed out that in the decade of the 80s, there were 10 major motion pictures that absolutely savaged Christianity. Every single one of them lost money including, by the way, The Last Temptation of Christ, which it is estimated to have lost ten millions of dollars. Whereas a number of studios made smaller pictures that placed Christians in a favorable light, but interestingly, they were always either far away, like Australia, or long ago, like Chariots of Fire. But nevertheless, they did portray Christians positively. Every one of those made money. And so Medved said, the bottom line is not money, but some sort of demonic power within these people that causes them to lash out against Jesus Christ and against Christians in spite of the fact that it's going to cost them tens of millions of dollars to do it. They must let out their venom. As Jesus himself said, that the world would hate us. And why? He said, if the world hate you, know that it hated me first. The world hates Jesus Christ which is undoubtedly got to be the most astonishing fact in history. Here is a world sunk in its sin, in rebellion against God, deep in every form of anti-moral, anti-God behavior, already condemned by God in his mind. He says, ye are condemned already simply waiting to fall off the precipice into perdition. And don't forget that this, where you are sitting, is nothing other than death row. 
And there's no need to get up and go out because so is your home and your office and your car and every square inch of ground on this planet. And if you go to the moon, it's still death row. Every person on this planet has been judged and has been found guilty and has been condemned to die. And every single day, thousands, tens of thousands of people have that death sentence executed upon them. Ye are condemned already, said Christ, and into this world of condemned rebels, the Son of God came on a mission of mercy. The harmless, sinless, holy Son of God, loving and compassionately came to live the perfect life that we have all failed to do and to die an atoning death in our stead, taking upon himself all of the vileness of our sins and becoming sin for us and then being held up between heaven and earth upon a cross where the wrath of his own Father is poured out upon him in our place. And he dies in our stead and purchases for us eternal life which freely Mirabile dictu, wonder to tell, freely he offers to every last one of us, sinful sons of sinful fathers, the gift of eternal life, if we will but trust in him. And for this anguish, this agony, this trouble of coming into this dark world, he receives, he is requited with hatred. That is astonishing. He himself answers the question, why? He says, they hated me without cause. His only desire was for our good. His only purpose was that we should live happily ever after. And for that, we gave him our hatred. The world, the scripture says, the world is at enmity with God. If they hate you, know that they hated me first. They hated him without cause. And wonderful to tell, he loved us without cause. Why did he love us? Because there was something lovely in us? From the top of our heads to the bottom of our feet, we are one festering sore. We are a stench in the nostrils of God. In mind and heart and soul and will, we have all rebelled against him and broken his commandments. No, in spite of our unloveliness, he loved us. He loved us because of nothing in us, but because of something in him, that he is the God of all love. He loved us without cause. And we hated him without cause. That, dear friends, has got to be the most astonishing and devastating truth that I have ever heard. It only shows the deep malignity of our fallen soul.
when we like to think of ourselves as good. Just think about that. The world will hate you, he told us. And so he sets before us the world and the church. Now the church consists of all of those who are united by a living faith to Jesus Christ and in whose hearts he lives and his spirit and love dwell. The world consists of all of those who are not connected to God through Jesus Christ. They are the aggregates of the godless. So I would ask you, in which group are you found? The real church or the world? Now they're both united. The church, in spite of its apparent divisions all over the world, is united in one in Jesus Christ. There is one faith that joins us to one Savior. And so the world, in spite of all of its divisions, political, economic, religious, and all of the pagan religions of the world, they are all united in their inveterate hostility to Jesus Christ. Do you remember Herod and Pilate? as opposed as two worldlings could possibly be, but they were made friends that day and reconciled because of their common persecution of Jesus Christ. And so the world will join ranks against Christians every time. And interestingly, the world and the church will always join with them. When the world has bad things to say about the church, there's some in the church that will join them each time. And they don't even realize that what they're doing is flying their own flag. And it says, worldling. And birds of a feather do flock together. Why have they hated Christ? They've hated him and they do hate him without cause. Isn't it astonishing that this one who came like no other person ever came to do the world good? You cannot sit in a restaurant without hardly hearing his name dragged in the mud, which is always like a dagger in my heart, and hearing people curse with his name. Why? What ill has he done to them? His banner over them is love. He seeks nothing but their well-being. Why do they hate him? They hate him without a cause because they are depraved and their hearts are at enmity with God. Well, what can we do about this war against Christ and Christianity that is heating up? We do have the power of the gospel. And we can use that gospel to transform the world into the church because all of us were born as a part of this world. By living lives of moral integrity and the beauty of love, we can attract the world. And Christ, the loving and gracious Christ, even as he is besmirched by the world, shines ever brighter in his wondrous glory. We can share the gospel. And one of the reasons, my friend, that the war is heating up today 
is because we have been derelict in our responsibility to do that. And so the number of those who are not a part of Christ has been growing and multiplying and becoming stronger and stronger until now. They are turning on the church. Upon Christians who founded this nation. Isn't that incredible? The barbarians are at the door. And they are people that we should have been converting into Christians years ago. We can use the gospel. And also, we can rejoice. Jesus said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. The Bible says that all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Have you been persecuted for your faith in Christ? I don't mean for your ordinary disposition, for your critical attitude, for your backbiting tongue, but have you been persecuted for your faith in Jesus Christ? I remember a lady who told me about a minister she knew up north. And she said she'd known him for a great many years. She said, in all of those years, I never heard one person speak ill of him. Isn't that wonderful? No, it's tragic. Jesus Christ said, woe unto you when all men speak well of you. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. For so spake they of the false prophets before you. If your preacher isn't being persecuted and he's not preaching the truth and standing for Christ, because he will experience that. But we can rejoice. And we can love our enemies, and we can use the gospel to transform them into part of the body of Christ, to part of his church. That's what we can do as the war against Christianity heats up again in our time. Ah, dear one, ask yourself, have you been, are you being persecuted because of Christ? You are if you belong to him. May we pray. Father, you've told us to be good soldiers of Christ, willing to endure hardness. We pray, Lord, that you will grant to each of us that. And Father, if there are those here today who have realized that their affections are set upon the things of this world instead of the things above, and realize that they don't truly belong to Jesus Christ, they haven't repented and surrendered their lives to him, I pray that right now they may say to thee, O oh Christ, I want to be a Christian in my heart. 
Grant me the courage, O Christ, to serve thee and to stand for thee in the midst of a world that hates thee and hates all of those that truly live for you. In your name, amen. If you began this program not knowing for certain that you would be with God in heaven someday, I hope you prayed that prayer with Dr. Kennedy. If you did, here's what Jesus says about what you have just done. He who believes in me has everlasting life. That's his promise to you. And now it's time to begin to grow in your new faith, and we want to help by sending you Beginning Again. This is the book that Dr. Kennedy wrote for new believers to help provide answers to some of the questions you might have about God, the Bible, prayer, and more. To receive your copy of Beginning Again, just write to our address or call our toll-free number, and may God richly bless you. In this war against Christianity, the enemy is using a myriad of tactics to silence us. The efforts to silence biblical truth are certainly not new, but we have been tracking a new phenomenon in censorship. The internet may have started as the World Wide Web, but giant technology companies and internet monopolies are inventing strategies to close off the free flow of ideas and commerce, discriminating against conservative and Christian views. And some of the biggest companies in the world, including Facebook, Google, and Amazon, are complicit. It is absolutely essential that you understand this battle and that you be equipped to stand your ground. Our ability, yours and mine, to proclaim the gospel and biblical truth hang in the balance. One quarter of the world's population uses Facebook. The vast majority of people under 40 get all of their information from the internet. That's why you need to read our brand new book, The New Gatekeepers, Censoring Christians in the Digital Age. We will send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation to the ongoing work of this ministry. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. Or go online to djkm.org. And if you are able to give us a generous donation of $50 or more, we will send you a two-DVD set of Dr. Kennedy's messages called Thieves of Liberty. He recognized the rare gift of freedom and its Christian foundations. And if we see those foundations being eroded, we lose the future. Dr. Kennedy will help you see the reality of the ongoing battle between truth and lies, between good and evil. And he'll provide you with biblical equipping for that spiritual battle. We are also producing a special documentary program on this subject to air nationally in July. And your generous donation will help us do that as well. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11164, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free 888-332-3069. 
or you can go online to djkm.org. I'm Frank Wright. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Kennedy Classics. We'll see you next time. Today's program is available on DVD for your gift to this ministry of any amount. Please call, write, or log on to our website today. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.